podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the darker side of the after show. This is episode five's after show, the exploitation and murder. Rick Elvis Parker and Tim Doc Anderson. A hell of a story indeed. One that I thoroughly enjoyed recording and editing and producing for you guys listening. And I hope that you guys listening have actually enjoyed the episode whilst there are some really tense and difficult moments throughout it i hope you have enjoyed the episode and lukey you're here as always to join me in this after show of our musings of these episodes and you know it was a story that we both admittedly knew little about going into this and for me personally it was a huge education it taught me a lot about an individual who was trying to be the next Don King or the white version of Don King and it just taught me so much about some of the 90s boxing scene that I didn't know and I thought it was it was great in that regard but the whole exploitation side of it and feeling sorry for for Tim Anderson was 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 a sad part of it yeah again because Tim Anderson's still in prison man like you think to yourself like this guy is still locked away for for that crime and it was a crime nonetheless and it was it was murder nonetheless but has he not yet served his time for this like I've seen people get out on like five year five year sort of probations where they've gone like right he's committed a murder he's supposed to get 20 years in prison or whatever and then they're out after five but yet tim doc anderson's still there after all this time and i suppose like when i sort of fling this back to you now now you've listened to it luke like what are your initial thoughts now about the characters involved the people involved so rick elvis parker and tim doc anderson i said let's let's fire up you me johnston um, let's get the script writing machine and let's write a movie because this felt like it's straight out of boogie nights and all that type of stuff. Like this felt like an award-winning movie with all the personalities and the characters and kind of the consistent bad decisions. I loved it. I loved the, the whole premise of what this story was all about. And when I say I loved it, I loved it in the sense of learning, learning about certain parts of the sport that I had an inkling. I had a knowledge about, but learning more about what was going on in that period of time during the heavyweight scene of the 1990s was was very interesting. But I still have got this horrible lingering feeling of feeling sorry for Tim Anderson, who is still in prison. And I can't escape that feeling of thinking that should he not be out now? Should he not be living out the rest of his days? Some people will argue, no, he shouldn't be. You committed a crime. He committed a murder. He shouldn't be. But then I just kind of feel like because I'm used to the UK justice system and not what it's like in the US, which is different in every state, I'm thinking like there's people over here who get done for worse crimes. I mean, what other worse crimes are there in murder? Well, pedophilia is definitely one of them. Like you get people like that that are let out after about two years in prison and yet they're let to go on and live the rest of their lives. But then, you know, other people will say, well, hang on a minute, Sean. He committed a crime, Tim Doc Anderson. He killed a man. But what was that man like? Is it justice? Is it karma? I mean, there's so many words that people would throw about after listening to this story. 
what do you think of it? I mean, what did you think of hearing about Rick Elvis Parker first and foremost? Who he was, his story, what he was all about. I've got a feeling what I think you're going to say about this, but I'm interested to know what you say because I'm sure our listeners will be interested to know what you say about him. Well, I'm going to pump fake you because I'm probably going somewhere different. It's the Lukey absolutely going in a different direction. I'm professional. He felt like a character from a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. And it could be that I've been like studying films and thinking about it, but he felt like a character from like Magnolia or from Boogie Nights or There Will Be Blood, like a complex character who's trying to like make it by any means is like the view I had of him. And then just to add to Doc Anderson, it's like he's serving in Florida, which is notoriously one of the worst prison systems. It's like, it, it's crazy. But my initial thought was of um, Parker was this guy feels like he's straight out of a movie that's extreme, like an extremely complex character where it's hard to kind of understand if he's the good guy or the bad guy. I th- I got the impression he was the bad guy. I think I think the exploitation side of things with him and Anderson was kind of what led me to that, and and he, how he tried it on with various other fighters as well. There's the story of smoking Burt Cooper having him out on the balcony with a gun pointed at him, saying, "Look, give me my money, give me that money now." And it's like on a serious note, he clearly was the sort of person that was very much in everything that he did for himself, and he he didn't really have the the well-being and the welfare of those fighters at heart whatsoever because he was just intent on getting that big money championship fight and everything that came with it. Like, And I say he wants to be the next Don King because he looked up to him. The story tells us how much he looked up to and idolised Don King and how he met him and what his advice was and what he heard from him and then how Don King rubbished those claims that he actually met him, which was quite funny as well. But it's for me it was he was he was just learning about like that type of a character that he was and you know i'm not even going to say there's moments where things could have changed i just think that was him he was a hustler from day one he hustled his way through the pool rooms in the u.s and then he got himself into a business became an entrepreneur made loads of money shot himself into boxing managed to get himself involved with big george foreman in his comeback trail and yet he had this potential heavyweight on his hands in mark gastineau who was going to go on and do big things in the sport and ultimately turned out to be a complete flop and a dud in the sport of boxing so you know it just felt like he was one of these guys like you said he was trying to make it in any which way he could, but he didn't care who he crapped on to get there. He reminds like, so I watch darker, the dark side of uh, wrestling. This is the darker side of wrestling, um, the vice show. And there's like a, there's an overwhelming theme of characters like this, where there's like old eighties promoters of wrestlers that write bad checks and go. And it feels like, even though he's inspired by Don King, he's kind of from that 80s pro wrestling sketchy. Like he's a guy that before the internet existed, there were like lots of these guys that would hustle city to city and then just hope that their reputation hadn't caught up to him. And he felt like this is one of the last guys that wasn't quite a Don King, but he wasn't also like not a factor. So Tim Anderson as well is another character in this story, a human being that is serving time in prison for the murder of Rick Parker. The exploitation side of things came when he couldn't say no to Rick throughout the course of the story that we presented and throughout, obviously, their relationship together. It was like he always sort of got hook, line and sinkered by him 
and then he would then feel the after effects of it so much so that in the last incident which then led to the ultimate demise of rick parker there was obviously revenge on the horizon for the fact that parker wanted to get him back for something that tim doc anderson had done that had basically stopped rick parker from becoming this mega promoter in the usa that moment where he literally didn't take a dive against mark gastineau was a huge pivotal moment in that story because that's the moment where obviously rick elvis parker decides at some point down the line, I'm going to get my revenge on this guy and the threats to his sister, Anderson's sister, and then ultimately the poison that was administered in his water, which then led to all these after effects for Anderson, the health issues that he suffered. It, it, it tortured him. It like it's, it's like Anderson was tortured for many years in different ways by him. I mean, there's a story of him going over to South Africa and then being hit by the butt of a gun going into the fight against their hometown favourite. There's, there's so many different stories in this. And all it left me feeling was that Ricky Elvis Parker was just not a nice human being, man. He was just not a nice guy. Like, how could you... How could you want to go back to a guy that's treating you this way and I just never understood it but obviously I was never in the mind of Tim Doc Anderson to understand why he would want to keep doing that but he did and it just led to the sort of downfall of both of them really because Anderson gets the poison he's after the after effects of it just go downhill then he ends up meeting back with Parker again you have this big blazing row then obviously because the threats being made to the life of his and his family he decides he isn't going to let this happen and he takes matters into his own hands and ultimately kills Rick Elvis Parker. It's just, some people probably cheered at that moment and gone, you know what, he deserved it. Rick Elvis Parker deserved it for the torturous moments that he put Anderson through. But just going back to that then, Lukey, and thinking about the whole story and thinking about the way I think Anderson was kind of persecuted throughout it by Elvis Parker, are you surprised it went down this way? Once again, I'm probably going to give the answer that no one wants to hear. I feel like this is a very boxing story. Like, this might not happen to this level of extreme anymore, but in boxing, to me, in the promotional side, in most promotional companies, through my observation of dynamics not being there, it feels like bullying is a part of the culture in boxing and in some unhealthy businesses. So when it comes to anything in boxing or MMA, I'm never shocked at the outcome because the industry itself is so unhealthy and people really try to get away and push people around so much that I'm never I'm never surprised how far things can go because no one ever seems to have the courage to step in. And when they do, things like this happen, don't they? And that that's kind of the the extreme circumstances of of what boxing and the alleged corruptness of boxing can cause. And I think that's something that kind of still really hits home hard today. I mean, this happened in the mid-90s. Ultimately, the event happened in the mid-90s. But in terms of today's boxing generation we talk about this on our own shows respectively like we have our moments where we will moan and we won't be happy about things and there'll be certain things we want to see change in the sport and we know there's things that go on that ultimately things that maybe will never change in the sport but it's these type of moments in boxing where you know you'd think the sport and the people within it would learn from it would learn from these moments but yet they don't and this sort of stuff this level of exploitation 
it happens now. It still happens now. And that is the real sad thing about this sport that we love so much is that it still happens. It's just not as well publicised, even though we've got such a an era of media around us now compared to then. It just doesn't seem to be as well publicised, but there's certainly a huge level of exploitation that goes on in this sport, isn't there? I mean, and there's exploitation in the fighters, and there's if you want to be an executive in boxing to a degree, you gotta you gotta do what I did, which is get picked on by your older statesmen. So there's two levels of of exploitation: the fighters being exploited and not getting paid or compensated. No, actually, I shouldn't say that. Our fighters sometimes are paid well; they just don't understand how to invest their money so if you give someone a lot of money and they don't understand what to do with it and they've always wanted money and they equate money with happiness because they've never been happy that's dangerous and there's little to any financial teaching in this industry and then to become like a matchmaker in boxing oftentimes it's like i was bullied so now it's time for me to bully you and like there i'm not saying that's everybody but that is part of the boxing culture and it sucks. It happens too much, though. That's the problem. It's, it's, it happens too much. And I think the story, what we're trying to present here is is a story of the exploitation of a fighter and how it is eerily similar to how things happen today. It's not led to a, a really pivotal moment in time like it had with Rick Elvis Parker and Tim Doc Anderson. But it certainly happens in certain ways today. And I suppose maybe the introduction of the things like social media allow fighters to express their disdain if they feel they're being robbed by a promoter, if they feel they've got an issue with a trainer. They're being, I suppose, more vocal about it now and and telling the world about it and basically putting those people to shame and putting them in a bad light. Whereas in the 90s, we didn't have this. We didn't have this level of coverage. Yes, we had the magazines. We had the print magazines, you know, that were out there. You had the the well-known long-standing journalists that were out there doing things for their local papers. But you didn't have the facility to go online and start calling people out because if this was now and you had that situation you'd i'm pretty sure you'd have a lot of people sort of jumping on the back of rick elvis parker and saying you know what are you doing you're absolutely fleecing this man of money you're doing all these bad things you shouldn't be a promoter but then you couldn't do it you couldn't get away with things like that. i mean look at make make what i'm com- making a comparison to here is when eddie hearn makes a poor choice in whether it be a fight whether it be a decision of a fight the whole kind of ben drug scandal thing recently there was poor choices seemingly made in in and around that moment in time and yet boxing journalists fans members of the public have a way to voice that concern and opinion about those individuals and make it known to them directly because they're available you might not respond of course but they can see it they can see the hate that people are putting on them if they're not happy with decisions that are being made so why i'm talking about this generation and jumping back in time is because that moment in time for rick elvis parker and tim anderson must have been a really difficult one for anderson because he it seemed like and it felt like he had nowhere to go with what was going on. Like nobody believed him that something had happened. Nobody believed him. Doctors couldn't figure out what had happened to him. But yet ultimately he gets a confession from Rick and then shoots him dead. I mean, it's a crazy moment, but it's like he had no one to turn to. Nobody believed him. Nobody wanted to hear him. Whereas now 
you know, people can put their concerns out there across social media and sometimes it actually leads to things happening, you know, good positive things happening as a result, as well as the negative. So I'm just sort of making those comparisons to sort of see what you think about it in the sense that, you know, we make the comparisons about how things are today and how difficult things can be. But don't you think the fact that we've got this level of, of media output, media input, that we're able to actually put them concerns more out there so freely and openly, whereas then you couldn't do it. And, and ultimately it would lead to frustrations and actions and consequences. Well, I mean, and then just to take it a step further, look at like what Matchroom's trying to do now. They're trying to be their only media company. So it's like you can come to our event, but when it's fight night, we control the video. We're going to control the press or we're going to have most of that. Like you look at certain promoters, they're trying to go back to state run media. And back in the day, it was okay. You get your news from newspaper and two outlets and that's it. You know, you have the ring magazine used to matter more because that was where you got your boxing info and the rankings. The ring magazine has kind of fallen off to me because it doesn't have as much um exclusive material and because people can go out and get the information constantly they haven't kind of pivoted and to me what's sad is people uh that have this level of exploitation often find really nice people to exploit it's kind of a common cycle we see with pimps where they find someone who's probably nice probably unconfident and unsure of themselves and they exploit 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 and this was a very predatory relationship and sadly people looked at this really nice guy in doc and go ah it can't be true and it just enabled the predator further and further yeah it did and it, and it, and it ultimately led to what it led to and and for me i i just look at this story as a you can look at this story in two ways. You can look at it and say, well, Rick Elvis Parker kind of, you know, he, he reap what he sow kind of thing. Like people will say, well, you, you know, you reap what you sow. It's a cliche saying. And I think he essentially did that. He, he, he brought this upon himself by putting someone in such a desperate position that they felt compelled to take an action, which would ultimately end his life. And then on the other side of it, when you're Tim Doc Anderson, you felt it, you're feeling so trapped and, you know, nobody's listening to you. You don't know what to do. You want to find out what's going on with yourself. And then you're hearing that your family's being threatened left, right and center because you want to bring a book out and talk about your life and what happened. Then you're being told, no, you're not doing that. If you do that, this is what's going to happen. You put in someone in a very desperate situation and take that away take boxing out of this equation in the conversation for a moment you put someone in the corner like a wounded animal and they will strike back it's human nature to do that people when left with no choice will strike back in some way shape or form and this is what i felt it got to at that point with tim doc anderson and rick elvis parker and it just felt really sad that it got to that point and i think what was what was more difficult when i comprehended this whole story was why he's still in prison now like i don't know the justice system that well in the u.s i can't really speak for it maybe you can shed a bit more light on on, on how that works but obviously i know that it, in in different states they have different rulings i know that things are different laws are different in different states but in the uk the justice system is just one justice system it's just one set amount of rules for people so if someone gets sentenced to life imprisonment that term is a set term of around 14 to 15 years whereas uh, tim doc anderson's 
scenario. He's, he's essentially been in there. I think it's something like ridiculous 27, 28 years down the line now. And he's still there. And yet there's no seemingly moment where there's going to be a parole. We did our utmost best to try and find out whether anybody knew any information that could shed any more light on it. And we just really couldn't find much on what was going on there, whether he was going to be up for parole soon, whether he was going to get out and, and if he was ever going to get out of prison. But, you know, with something like this, it, it starts to make your moral compass have a bit of a conversation with itself. And this is what I'm going to push back onto you now is, is about your own moral compass as a human being, Luke, hearing this story, hearing what has gone on, like, do you think now that he served his time? Do you think that maybe now was the time that he should be given the chance to live the rest of his life and and prove that he's, you know, kind of forgiven for his sins, so to speak? Well, the legal system often very much frustrates me because it seems like there's never... I'm a fan of golden standards. I'm a fan of the, the football right in America today, it, or no, American football I like a goalpost to be set and that's the standard. So if I'm watching golf, if one ruling happens, I want it to be the same. If boxing, if something happens, I like parity across the board. I think the hardest thing for someone that's not from America to understand is the divide between liberal and conservative in America and how each and every one of our states have different sentencing guidelines based on the whether it's conservative or liberal. And I think that also the issue of state to state and public awareness for advocacy of people who are in this situation, if you're not, if an advocacy program is not looking at your case as much as other cases, you might fall to the back of the line because sadly, I think everywhere, but in America in general, we have a lot of wrongly imprisoned people and marquee cases get the attention. So I think what happened is, this is the dreaded thing you always hear. This is the case that slips between the cracks and time keeps going. But I typically, I had always heard growing up when murders occur, especially a first time offender, it was 15 to 25 years. So the fact that he's still in, it's rather shocking to me. It is to me. And like I said, you know, I'm not wholly educated in that. And you've just given some more context to, to those that are UK based listeners that don't know anything to do with how the justice system works in America. And obviously it's different states. So to me, it just kind of feels like is this is a moment where maybe this should be looked at. It should be reconsidered. You know, they should be looking at has this man now served his time and next week's episode is a different situation where you've got a world champion boxer who before becoming a world champion boxer committed some pretty heinous crimes and was really really it was really you know the leniency upon that particular individual sentence was in comparison to this it just seems like wrong to me it just seems wrong when we talk about next week's episode and the individual I'm referring to it just for me it just seems wrong it really does. It seems like there's just no parity there between between the two. And obviously, you know, it's different countries. This next episode is going to be based on a boxer from around uh, the Canadian region. So, you know, I know things are different there as well. So there's no parity, really. There's no singing from the same hymn sheet. There's no set guidelines. It changes for different states. It changes for different rulings. It changes for different political views. So it makes it more difficult for people like me to understand why someone like him 
has not been at least rehabilitated or gone through some sort of rehabilitation program to then with a view to sort of getting him out of prison and letting him back into society. Like it sounds mad talking about it because at the end of the day, he committed a crime and he committed murder. But I think the, the sort of the extent, you know, the extenuating evidence that was there is what is, is there a case there for the fact that he was put under so much duress that this is why he ultimately led, you know, led to the actions that he did. And you've got to sort of argue that. And obviously in the story, we do present, a bit more information as of more recent times about, you know, solicitors that were trying to actually help Tim Doc Anderson. But the trail of that then went a little bit cold for us. You know, we couldn't hear anything more about whether he's going for any more appeals to go out or whether he's going to be up for parole soon. And, you know, I always say to people, like, we, we struggle to source certain bits of information and this was one we did. And if anybody does have any information on that, then please share it let everybody know who's listening to the story who's who's heard about what's gone on i'd love to know i really would love to know because i'd love to know like is this guy ever going to get out in his lifetime is he ever going to be able to see the light of day again or is he going to be bound to prison for the rest of his life and you mentioned there earlier florida state prison system is pretty horrendous so the poor guy's going to be stuck there potentially till he dies and i think also it's like this is a deeper esoteric question, but I think you and me would enjoy this conversation. Maybe others wouldn't. What is the point of rehabilitation systems? Is it to punish or is it to change and to have someone back to be functional in society? And I hate to say it, but a, a system like Florida or Georgia or some of our southern states in America, it feels like it's a consequence and a punishment. It's not meant to rehabilitate and bring someone back to society. Yeah, and that's that's the difficulty I have with it, like making the comparisons to the way the justice system is in the UK. Like I say, you could be serving a life imprisonment of around 15 years, but after eight or nine years, if you've been classed as fully rehabilitated, you know, they, they can actually put you up for parole early. And whilst the victims or the victims' families of, of the crime that's been committed are not going, never going to agree to it unless they can forgive and, and, and kind of move on with life, then these people are going to leave prison early essentially in the uk it's it's one of the it's one of the most hit and miss justice systems in the world and yet we're one of the most notable countries in this world but yet our justice system really doesn't reflect how the you know the the, the severeness of each crime is 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 sort of sentenced and it's hard it's a hard one for like someone like me to understand like when i see this story and i relate it to sort of how our justice system in the uk can be poor at times i mean i've seen criminals commit really bad crimes in the uk and actually where, where no one has as you know been involved as in nobody's been hurt within that crime it's been like say like an armed robbery or you know even a bank robbery for example nobody's actually been hurt in the incident but yet they've been given this this really sort of harsh or maybe what's deemed harsh term, but yet then you've got people that will commit really horrible sexual-related crimes, and yet they're out on the streets after three years. And that's where the discrepancy comes for me. And that's why I, when I when I think of Tim Doc Anderson's story, I think of like the discrepancies here in the UK, and I think, well, surely by now, surely the justice system there, the, the prison system there, should have had some leniency with him. And it just feels like it hasn't and that he's just stuck there rotting away and he's not able to sort of live his life and actually come out of prison and tell his story, tell his story how it should be told. And I think that's one of the things that I would want to see for him is 
tell your story let, let every you know they, i mean look at all the people in america that have kind of got away with things or they've you know seemingly had the best lawyers possible and they've been able to get away with it i mean people look at the oj simpson case in particular like people still believe he committed those crimes but yet he was found not guilty and yet he but he lost on. the the lawsuit right Yep. So he lost the lawsuit for money, which basically said there's an omission of guilt, but then he lost the criminal trial. It, it's madness. It's, it's, it's just madness. Jill, I just... Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm huffing and puffing now because I just kind of... It gets me quite, uh, quite riled up because it it's a passionate thing, really. I, I mean, I see this happen a lot here in the UK. You know, bad crimes happen. L- lenient sentences are given. But then those that don't commit a crime that actually a, a, a person's a victim of, essentially, they get given the harshest of sentences. And it just seems like the overall justice systems in general, just like they're not good enough. They don't facilitate enough for, for, for helping people. And you said earlier, like rehabilitation. Like, what is the point then? If that's the case, what is the point of having a rehabilitation program if you've got no intention of bringing these individuals back into society? Like, it just just seems pointless. So, yeah, I'm going on a bit of a rant really about this. I just feel quite passionate about the fact that I feel, you know, maybe something should change really for for Doc Anderson, and maybe a little bit of leniency should now be given so that he can tell his story. I mean, the, the Rick Parker for me exploited the guy. He, he exploited the guy. He punished the guy. He did horrible things to the guy, and yet he brought his fate upon himself as a result of the things that he did i can't feel sorry for him in this story yet he was the victim of a crime and it sounds weird saying it but i don't feel sorry for him because he brought this upon himself that that is my personal opinion and whether that upsets some people well you know each to their own but i feel from this story everything that we've heard about him and what he did not just to anderson but to others i feel like he brought this fate upon himself Let's make this documentary. I'm serious. I think that I think that it's very obtainable to get an interview with Doc. And I think this is a story that a lot of people that binge streaming platforms, this is a story that's universal and it's based in boxing, but this is a very common story of exploitation. Absolutely. It needs to happen. It does need to happen. And I hope it happens before it's too late. I really do. I hope it happens before it's too late because I think it's one of those stories that the people need to stand up and hear about and they need to stand up and listen to and people within the boxing world need to realise, like, look, these are, although it's an isolated incident, this could happen again. You think of the personalities that are in this sport, some angry personalities that are in this sport, you couldn't be... You couldn't be remiss without thinking that this type of incident could happen again. Yeah, I mean, it's just life is so beautiful, but there's moments of true ugliness. Yep, yeah, and this, this was certainly a story of ugliness through many parts of it. But ultimately, I hope that people have enjoyed listening and educating themselves on this story and i hope that you've been able to look a bit further into the depths of what's been going on behind the scenes and you've enjoyed listening to sort of certain stories but i also hope you take uh, away the message which is all about the exploitation and murder side of this episode and i hope you can take away from it the moments that actually eerily can be quite similar to what boxing is like today and i think the difference is 
the platforms we have now we're able to speak out about it more openly we wouldn't have this platform 1995 didn't didn't give people like me and you lukey the opportunity to converse in this way do you know you know you couldn't do this and now you can now you can speak about it and now people can talk about exploitation in a more open manner and i hope that these conversations that we're having back and forth will actually open up the door for people to look into this further to look into it with doc anderson further and maybe there could be something in the future like you said that's lined up where doc anderson actually tells his side of the story yeah i mean i think that we live in a wonderful time it's hard to monetize these platforms but it's great to get the information out and the consumer now has as good of product as ever in terms of whatever their interests are because of the internet so for everybody listening, I hope you have enjoyed this episode of The After Show. It's been very back and forth, very debatable, very opinionated moments. And of course, you're not always going to agree with my opinion or Lukey's opinion on things. And that's fine. But if there are parts of this episode where you've related to them really well, then do please do just let us know like if you've got any thoughts and feelings about this whole case and what happened because i'd really be interested to hear what other people's perspectives are on it so if you have let us know at darker underscore side underscore pod on twitter or you can find us across the internet at btr boxing podcast network on all available platforms and podcast platforms please make sure you do subscribe to the darker side of boxing feed for all the latest episodes and next week Luke we've got another episode that I was alluding to a little bit earlier and I'm now going to drop that in right now because we talked about someone who had a lenient sentence for crimes that were committed that individual went on to become the WBC light heavyweight champion of the world that was Adonis Superman Stevenson that is next week's episode and that has got a hell of a story with that also yeah it's it's going to be heavy heavy indeed so thank you as always to everybody for listening if you want to give lukey a follow you can find him at lukey boxing on twitter and itr boxing on youtube please make sure you subscribe to his channel look at all the great shows he's doing over there some really good premium content on his only fans no i'm not alluding to the fact that he takes his top off here and shows his nipples i'm alluding to the fact that he actually has some really really great content on there with relation to boxing much like we do on our patreon page so again if you want to choose into early access versions of these episodes or ad free versions or you just want to get some of that exclusive only content to patrons you can find us at patreon.com btr boxing podcast network luke it's been a pleasure as always i look forward to next week you're a great friend thanks very much for listening guys and we will see you next time Podcast Network.